Hey, 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 everybody! Welcome to the Archapreneur Now podcast. I am your host, Heath Armstrong, and this is episode 17. My guests today are amazing. I've got Carrie and Danielle from Yellow Rose Productions out of Knoxville, Tennessee. They founded a theater and improv company, but it's not your normal gig. They've actually taken the initiative to create productions that expose the truth and reality of very important gaps in society, such as slavery and sex trafficking of a young girl inside a Knoxville sex ring. This is real stuff. This is powerful, and it is something that everybody needs to pay attention to. So check it out right now. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Here we go now. Who wants to get funky? Who wants to get a little creative out there? Which one of you want to get a little bit artsy now? Well, then get on with your bad self. Ladies and gentlemen, do I have a surprise for you today. A chitty chitty bang bang double whammy. Double the creative, double the fun. All the way down in my hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee. I've got two entrepreneurs for you. They do theater, they do improv, and they founded the Yellow Rose Production Company. Changing the world one play at a time. Everybody welcome, Carrie. Cozen and Danielle Rose. Carrie. Hi. Danielle. <laughs> Hello. You are the entrepreneurs now. What's going on? Wow. We're, we're still recovering from that intro. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Oh, Thank you. It's so much fun. <laughs> you know, the reason I started doing those introductions is because I was listening to a guy on the radio and somebody started talking like that and he got all mad and was like what does this sounds like an 80s dj i would never <laughs> listen to that and i was like thinking in my head i would listen to that every day you're like that sounds awesome I wanna so then i started doing it catches your attention yeah that's good it reminds me too of the of the knight's tale um you know the introductions that he gives heath ledger's character in the in a knight's tale oh yeah yeah definitely <laughs> The best intros. Oh. <laughs> well, thanks well, for having Car- us here. Yeah, yeah. Carrie and Danielle are the first double whammy on this podcast, which Ooh. is exciting. And they are the founders of Yellow Rose Productions, a theater and improv company based out of Knoxville, Tennessee. And they're doing some pretty uh, inspirational, world-changing uh, things down there. And, and I can't wait to get them to share a little bit about it. Um, before we do anything, we like to do a little segment called The Breezy Threes. Mm. You guys get to cheat a little bit because there's two of you, so just <laughs> perfect. Shout out, you know, short creative answers that you can. Moral cool. support. But, you know, so what, what are your what are your three favorite creative works? Oh, um, we'll we'll tailor it kind of for the work that we've been doing. Um, and I guess this, we'll some of it. these when we were individually read these plays on our own, um, and I'll I'll kind of start with some some plays right off the bat. Um, a big one for me was August Osage County by Tracy Letts. Um, it's a play about basically how messed up family life can be and how, how crazy it can get. Something I can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 
at the same time, they're, the characters are really messed up but really lovable. Um, you still feel for them the, the whole way through. And so that one, to me, kind of showed a lot of what we want to do with theater, and that's like, you know, building empathy and having people see themselves in really different situations than they felt they could have been yeah. close to. Right, and recognizing uh, things that they see on stage with what's happening in their own lives. Yeah. Um, but one, one for me is a show that I was in in college called uh, Accidental Death of an Anarchist by Dario Fo. <laughs> it mm. is a, a crazy, crazy play. It's um, a farce that's based on a 1969 incident involving a Milan terror suspect. And uh, it's really funny because Dario, Dario Fo, he wrote the play as a, uh, I don't want to say whistleblower type deal, but he wanted to expose the corruption in the uh, Italian police force. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it's a comedy and it's hilarious and it's very fast paced. And, and I really loved it because it showed through theater, uh, political or just issues that are happening in the world that need to be talked about. And, uh, that's, that's a big part of what Yellow Rose is looking to achieve. So that was one of mine. And then, very cool. Yeah, yeah and just very thought-provoking works. Yeah. The Laramie Project is a, a play by Moises Kaufman and the Tectonic Theater Project. Mm -hmm. um, you've probably heard about that one. They, um, there was actually like a hate crime committed on a, a young gay man in Laramie, Wyoming. Yes. Yeah, and this theater group, this is like what I would love for us to do someday too. Um, but they picked up, they went out and they interviewed all the inhabitants of the town, people close to him and really just listened to their stories and created a theater piece out of their actual words. And when you watch it, there isn't like a definite, um, side that they're taking. They're kind of leaving it up for the audience to just hear these voices in the community and, and understand more of the story and then be able to have a platform to discuss those issues mm, on their yeah. own. So, Wow, that is cool. Yeah. I, looking at it from that angle, I could see it being extremely um, entertaining to go yeah. see and, and the different, the different styles and Absolutely. outcome that you could get out of it. Well, do you all have any role models or influencers? Oh, I feel like every... <laughs> I fall in love with every person I meet. Uh, <laughs> um, I think, well, for me, uh, I just don't know where I would be without um, my theater professors in college. Mm -hmm. They really believed in me in ways that I didn't <laughs> at the time. And uh, I was just felt really lucky to have had them in my life and um, casting me in things I never would have <laughs> casted myself in. And, and, they just really pushed me further than than uh, I knew I could be pushed. I know that, I don't know if that's kind of too generic. <laughs> no, I mean I would agree with that too. Yeah. Though um, my, I had professors in college that let me entirely student direct and oh, manage, yeah, and didn't even didn't even bother to you know trusted me enough to they just show up to the performances and would say, yeah, we knew you could do it. And I, <laughs> right. that always amazed me. I'm like, wow, you can even check mm -hmm. on my rehearsals or anything. So, yeah. yeah, when other people put their confidence in you, it really kind of yeah. makes you look at it from a different perspective. And I completely agree with that. And you take yourself a lot more seriously when people that you really respect and look up to have that amount of confidence yeah. in you. You have no choice but to see yourself that way as well and to expect good right. things from yourself. And then I just, I know that, 
there was a, a few productions I was in that they treated me like a leader and it was up to me to raise the bar and I had I was held to a certain standard and when when you have the ceiling kind of raised you you have no choice but to step up step up and and get to that level so yeah and sometimes that's the best thing for you you know right absolutely as you can't learn unless you get your hands dirty yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. and then do you want to um yeah i don't know that just there's a lot of people that i i could go on forever the, the whole length of this podcast just yeah. thanking people but yeah i would say a lot of those people that just believed in me when i just didn't know it was possible and then more Touché. recently more recently, we've had uh, one of our, our now friends, but at the time he was our, our CEO. Um, we we actually did like that's a long story. <laughs> just to abbreviate, we did a sales and leadership program in college, and that's how Carrie and I actually met. Mm-hmm. Um, and the CEO of that company, Henry Bedford, is his name. Um, yeah, hmm? yeah. No, I, he was he was absolutely incredible for the startup of of our company and he was very generous and wanting to help us out and in all different ways and And just believed in us from just hearing our mission statement took, you know, a lot of faith in us from the beginning. So when you have somebody again, like what Daniel said, somebody that you really respect and somebody that has achieved so much in their lifetime, look at you and say, you are a very worthy investment. Uh, It was, it's just very, (laughs) Boosting. Oh, it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I've had the same kind of experience with some people that I've networked with that has really lit a fire under me and got me out there just killing it now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so like, let's go back to your mission statement. Your mission states that you are, you know, a theater company that creates an environment in which both performers and the audience can participate and recognize truth. So you're basically on a mission to reexamine and change the world. You aren't in it just to produce entertainment. There's a drive behind you all to influence and change the world. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? You know, why why did you two decide to dive in farther and create this uh, extremely beautiful thing? <laughs> yeah, that's like um, when when I developed a love of theater. You know, it was at a very young age, and that for a little while, um, you know, in high school, you just really are focused on the entertainment side of it and just. You put on shows and you love to hear people laugh. And then the older I got in college, we started doing works. Um, and I went to Dort College, a very small school up in Iowa. Um, but we started doing works that, you know, kind of challenged the audience and had them look at people or look at themselves in a different way. Um, and I really became passionate about that. And then that's how Carrie and I realized that we had that same passion for using live theater in a way that when you are in the same physical space as another human being that's performing so close to you, sometimes mere feet away, um, and you can see them go through entire ranges of emotions and deal with stories, um, it allows, it forces you really to reevaluate how you would be in that situation and um, to see yourself in their shoes. And so I guess each of us kind of realized the impact individually on ourselves with theater and then had a desire to, you know, seeing issues around us in the world, like how, what can I do? How can I get involved? How can I change people? And for us, the answer to that was theater. Yeah. It was just like, I can show people a story that when they walk in, they'll look at the issue one way. And if they at least, you know, see even one little thing differently when they leave, 
we've done our like that's our goal yeah yeah Yeah, that's so cool yeah i same thing i mean we 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 started talking about what we believed theater to be for us and we found quickly that we weren't thinking of because growing up people would be like oh you want to do theater you want to be on broadway and <laughs> and for both of us it was like no that it's not necessarily the end goal um broadway especially recently has gotten very commercialized and there there is a business in trying to get butts and chairs. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge business. Right. Yeah. And uh, we wanted to do, I mean, at least I remember in, in high school, I went to New York and saw a tiny black box production um, in a house that seated 25 people. And I remember looking around and thinking it was a little strange that there were so few seats. And and after the show, I was incredibly moved by the performance and being that close to the the actors and feeling everything that they were feeling. And, and they took us on this this awesome journey, and um, it it provoked conversation af- afterwards, and and sometimes tears and laughter, and and that's what I wanted to do. I found that that was that kind of theater, that nitty gritty, get your hands dirty. Um, type of theater was just so moving and that's that's the kind of theater that I think is so important and yeah, uh, I want to do when you it's you know when you find that one thing that really kind of lights you up and drives you to make uh, changes into the world that you think would be beneficial to everyone around you yeah. I think that's when you really find your life uh, cause you know what you're supposed to be <laughs> doing and it's a good feeling when you find it and it seems like you all are diving into that head first and that's why I love having you on this podcast with, with creatives because most all creatives are out there and they have some kind of goal like that. And we are building a community around it. And the whole reason that I'm doing this podcast is to try to inspire and influence others to follow that dream um, and, and to do these great things like you all are doing. And my ultimate long-term goal is to, I want to be able to start a foundation where I can take children that are underprivileged um, or sick and take them to art festivals and music festivals. Mm, that's um, awesome. You know, it's kind of a stem sort of like make a wish, but I, I really want to take them to a festival for three days and just hang out with them and show them <laughs> what all the different creative things that are out there. Because at those particular festivals, you know, you have s- such a variety of people Yeah, and they might find something that will trigger that thought in their head you know, that this is what I want to do. You know, this is where I want to be and this is how I'm going to change the world. So it's very cool that you all are doing this. Thanks. That's a great mission for yourself too. Yeah. That's amazing. I think especially for kids. It's so, it's so powerful. Oh, I know. Yeah. Just at a young age, appreciating the arts. Yeah. So your first production is called Princess Cut, which essentially examines the reality of slavery and sex trafficking of a young girl inside a Knoxville sex ring. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a true story, and this is, this is a real problem that most people aren't aware exists, either that or they've heard about it and they don't actually think that it's as big of a problem as it is. You know, but it's still taking place every, you know, multiple places at this very moment. And you all kind of identified this issue you put so much time and so much effort into studying it. You know, you went out, you found sources, you did interviews, and then you set your focus on one girl's story in particular for your production, and you've kind of turned it into an art uh, to share her story. So what was that whole process like, and how has it impacted your life and the way that you approach 
you know, your everyday activities and your production? Oh, um, gosh, the, <laughs> well, so Princess Cut, just to clarify, was our, is our first original production. So everything, the script is, we, we wrote it with, with this other girl, Kelsey Broyles, and together we, we sat with this girl, we interviewed her, um, got her story, she trusted us, She's, she hasn't gone to the police or anything with it, and we realized through talking with her how big of an issue it is in the U.S., especially in, in the Knoxville, Tennessee area. Well, and really what we've come to realize in this process is it's not just, you know, in Knoxville. It's really it's everywhere. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and the issue of sex trafficking isn't what some people think of. Like when Carrie and I, when I first heard this, this girl's story, I was amazed, and my mm-hmm. first reaction was, well, I thought this stuff just basically happened, you know, in maybe New York, but mostly in <laughs> Asia. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a big problem in Africa and in South Asia. Right, and that's where we usually hear about it. And so then when we came to hear this girl's story and that it happened, Here it in started town. when she was five, but it started with a relative, um, and the... And actually, the experts would call it trafficking. If you have, if you are just required to give a sexual act for in return for anything else. So a lot of people that we know that have been domestic, uh, you know, have suffered domestic abuse, have already been trafficked in their own homes without even necessarily realizing mm-hmm. it. And so that's how this girl's story began. Um, and through through talking to experts and professionals on the issue, we we realize that they're they're really trying to redefine um, what people think of when they hear sex trafficking. And it's not always that a, a young girl is taken and kidnapped and shipped halfway around the world. It, although that does happen. Although that does happen, um, the the story that we were hearing and the story that we based our show around was of a girl that was trafficked and her family never knew about it. She was, she was never, um, kidnapped for any extensive period of time. It was more like she was taken by an entrusted family member on the weekends to what they called a a realty ring and in which houses that were up for sale, uh, were being used essentially as these, these houses where, you know, the, the real real estate agents were working together with the traffickers and they were bringing the girls to the houses and then returned back to their homes. Um, so some of the girls. Some of the girls stayed and traveled with the houses. But So that's essentially what happened with this, this one girl. And she was taken. Sold and then, on the weekends and, and then, then brought, brought back to her. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And, they, and her family still doesn't know um, the extent of what happened. They only know a small portion of it. So, yeah. And so just hearing that girl's story and realizing that, this stuff is so close to us without, we had no clue. And so how many other people have no clue of how close this issue is to them? You know, and it might just be the, I shouldn't say just, it might be the smaller scale, you know, domestic violence and domestic sexual abuse, or it could be honestly the, the large scale, the girls that are being kidnapped or forced into selling themselves um, on the streets is the, the larger scale version. Um, but yeah, we just learned there's so much to the stories and to how, what, what makes a girl get into that situation when she's older, you know, how she gets into it when she's younger, there's just so much. So we felt like it was something that we really wanted to discuss in this community. 
um, and start bringing around to the Tennessee area and um, really just open people's eyes. Um, you know, hopefully nationally, this becomes a more prominent issue as well because it does happen everywhere. Right. Yeah, I think there's no other way to to really attack it than than to put it into some kind of form that people want to come and watch and see. And I guarantee you, every single person that saw that first performance uh, didn't go home and never talk about it again. I guarantee you, they passed on that message to other people. That's so what we're saying. Yeah. Just continue to find ways to build this and to spread it out and, you know, get you on tour and, right. and get this message out. It's going to be a very beautiful thing. Thank we hope you. so. So, yeah. We, and we were so, so overwhelmed with the response. We, we were in a venue that seats about 150 mm-hmm. comfortably, comfortably. <laughs> and, uh, and we had been told from various people throughout the process, you know, to kind of expect or be realistic about the turnout and, and not really expect for too, too many people. And the whole time we just, we knew that we would, we were, we were kept being like, we're, we're going to believe that we're a lot, more people, that a lot, are lot more people. And uh, we actually, I, I was backstage um, and I, we were supposed to go on at seven thirty, and the house was being held longer and longer and longer. And apparently they, they had to keep bringing in chairs for people coming in. So <laughs> we ended up having about 200 people turn out and, um, there apparently were people turned away at the door because they could not fit any more people in the room. Oh, wow. Well, that's yeah. awesome. And I think that there's a huge, uh, market for, for getting these types of messages out there because people do want to help spread this type of uh, message. It's an extremely important thing. And, you know, they see that this actually happens in Knoxville, you know, it could be the house next door to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone could find out about it, that it's happening to them and they just don't know that there's anything wrong yet. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it's crazy, but Danielle, so you, you directed it, right? And yes. Carrie, you acted in it. Yeah. She actually played, Carrie played the main girl who we, we called her Sarah, um, Sarah. story. Mm-hmm. So Carrie played the Sarah role. How, how was, how was that, uh, trying to get into character for that and being, you know, being an actor, I'm sure that you kind of have to bring on these emotions to get yourself into the character, but you know, how is it playing a role like that? <laughs> um, it's difficult. That's funny that you asked that question. We, we were just talking about that last night and um, to somebody who was asked the same question. Um, it's definitely draining. I found myself after each rehearsal, uh, very tired, more more so than than normal. In a, in another production, it was more emotional, and I just wanted to be by myself for a while, just kind of chill out, watch a movie, just not have to interact with people. Mm-hmm. And but you definitely you have to channel channel certain emotions. And and after talking with this girl and working with her extensively, writing the script. It it was in, on a different level too because I knew her. I knew that this was a real story. This is something that happened to she. She's now a friend of ours, and so there was that added layer to it. And um, it was definitely hard. And during the play, I cried a few times. And and um, it's yeah. it's so much when typically when you're acting a role, you're imagining. So if I was this character, what would I think or feel? But for us, having worked so extensively with her, we knew what she was thinking and feeling. Mm-hmm. We had spent a lot of time listening to those um, those emotions come out. So I think that's 
the, the, I mean, from, I sat in the audience and watched and the performance was very, very powerful and very real. And I think people in the audience felt that. And I do contribute that partly to Carrie's acting ability, (laughs) but also just to the fact that the emotions that we were able to portray were real because, you know, we had the actual story right there. So we had a lot to work with. Yeah. I mean, it just adds to the power you know, most of the time when someone performs a role, it's something that somebody did make up with their imagination. So yeah. you can see that when you get out of character, it's not that hard to transition back. Exactly. But when you're that close to something that's this important, um, that means this much, I, I just, I could imagine it just being the hardest thing in the world. And so I was just wondering, yeah. Yeah, that's a great yeah. question. There's well, definitely moments you have to just step step away and just relax and center and then just, <laughs> and just remember Breathe. it's all <laughs> I mean but also remembering like it's all for a good reason too that Absolutely. helps a lot it's not like we're just putting ourselves through something mm-hmm. just for no purpose but it's worth it <laughs> yeah yeah and you all mentioned to me before this interview that you had a panel discussion after the performance uh, led by professionals who dealt with sex trafficking victims um, as well as a member of the FBI so you know, what what was that feedback like Oh, it was amazing. We got, we had these panelists, um, have actually been working with, uh, victims of sex trafficking on the larger scale for each of them has worked with it for at least seven years with victims. So we had a mental health specialist, um, and two of them actually came up from Chattanooga to our performance and Jerry Redmond was the, one of the co-founders of that. And then second life Chattanooga, second life Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Brittany Giannunzio is the mental health specialist and Tiffany short was our FBI victim specialist. And, um, she actually used to work in Nevada and now is working in Knoxville and each of them have incredible stories about girls and boys that they have interacted with and helped and, for us, we wanted to simply be the storytellers and then have them be the experts. And mm-hmm. so the audience then, when they were left with um, you know, the emotions and reactions to the performance, could deal with those by talking to experts mm-hmm. on these issues. And a lot of those questions were, okay, what should we do? And how real is this stuff? You know, How often does this happen? And they right. could then affirm what we had been presenting. So, yeah. And that, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, we we definitely wanted that to be a major part of the performance. So we in the program we actually put part one was the performance of Princess Cut, and part two was the panel discussion. We really really wanted people to stay and have that discussion. We didn't want to just have the curtain call and just you know, send everyone Dismiss. on their way. Like okay, <laughs> yeah, wondering, you know, yeah. <laughs> And we found that almost every person stayed for the panel discussion, which we were thrilled about. And they were very, very concerned, very moved, very overwhelmed with with the issues, with what they could do, just like Danielle was saying. And it fits right into our mission statement as well, because we really want to perform works that the audience and the actors and all the performance artists can start a dialogue and talk about the issues that that work has brought up. Yeah. And then leave and want to do something different too. not just leave and say, okay, now I'm going to go out to eat, but it's a, now how do I deal with this and actually apply this to my own life? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had a table set up in the back with, um, different pamphlets and, um, 
business cards and all different information for people of, you know, like a race that they could help raise funds with and different yeah. ways to get involved and volunteer. Contact and information. We were amazed that most of those materials disappeared and um, were taken home by people and the sign-up list was filled. So we were really, really amazed and thankful. Yeah. It just went so, so well. <laughs> you were so, I was still overwhelmed. It just... <laughs> At the yeah, that, that's a that's a really awesome way to do that. You set it up so they can take something away with them, and then they can actually put the, it actually puts them in a position to be able to spread the word and to make a change. And if they have questions, find out the answers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, motivation and inspiration are infectious. So they're going out and they're telling other people, and this message is going to keep spreading. And so I think you're in a unique position to um, you know kind of spring that. We hope so. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, even it was also one of the things we talked about is, you know, if there are people in the audience that are dealing with an aspect of this have actually, you know, been trafficked in some form or abused, they can also take those materials and know who to call and know how to, um, and, and for people that, you know, recognize something in our show as, wow, I think maybe a friend of mine has had that experience by something that they have said, you know, then they now are educated with how to deal with those people. So right. there's a lot of different sides that we were hoping to kind of reach. Right. Yeah. Because in addition to telling the story, we included the use of, um, there are these two screens on the side of the stage and we put up periodically definitions of things. We dealt with the psychological issues that this girl was going through. So for example, traumatic bonding and denial, night terrors, things like that, that we could define for the audience. So it was right there for them and hopefully meant to educate them as well as just hearing this incredibly moving story. Yeah. Super powerful. Yeah. It's, it's really tough for people to get started and sustain an income to support, you know, really any type of business and uh, new ventures. And in your case, in particular, you know, so that you can support your cause. But there's a prize much greater at work here than I th- than I think money is. Yeah. And the ability to raise awareness of stories like these and continue down the same path uh, with future endeavors is is just a much greater payoff. And to be able to say you were involved in leaving that thumbprint on the world should be enough to raise some eyebrows, you know, to get you all some funding or to try to expand this message. Uh, what is your What is your experience been with that? You know, what are some ways you are establishing income or support to keep pushing this forward? Yeah, well, we both have jobs on the side to keep the funding <laughs> mm-hmm. for our own lives, but um, we yeah. still not nine to five jobs we have to work around uh this is has taken on such a <laughs> its own life i don't know i'm babbling <laughs> but princess cut became a full-time job so we are involved with something else that is that we can you know create our own schedule and can be financially lucrative in a short amount of time but yeah so we we really do hope that um this does raise eyebrows, like you were saying, and um, help us with funding. Um, we have one of our underwriters. Um, he has been very clear. He said, I don't want you guys to think about the money side of it until way down the road. Just think about yeah. the work and the art that you're creating. And so that doesn't sound practical, and it's not necessarily practical, but it did really affect how we 
when we work, we just dive a hundred percent in mm-hmm. and the money will just work itself out. And for the show it did. Um, and you know, it's, yeah, I love that. Not, I love that saying. It just works so. out. And that was something that I've always stressed out about is money and figuring out how to pay for the next, you know, meal and rent and such. But exactly what Danielle was saying, our um, our friend told us, you know, you just have to stay focused on what's really important and people will take notice. And we're really confident that that will happen, especially since we've seen it with Princess Cut and uh, we hope that it keeps paying off. So yeah, we do unconventional jobs on the side and don't have a typical schedule that, you know, people we graduated, you know, have their nine to five jobs and that's so great for them. But we've taken on, you know, at doing Yellow Rose Productions, is what we want to end up doing full time. And we have kind of a business plan in the future. If we can get to a point where we can afford our own venue and teach classes, and then we, we could end up, you know, being able to fund ourselves entirely. We will. Um, we will. We will be able to do that. But yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another thing. We're changing our just language. our language and how we, how we just talk to ourselves and it, we've realized the power of what you say when you talk to yourself and, and oh, affirmations. Affirmations. And exactly. That's um, a big part. If you follow what you truly love and don't worry about the money, just like you all are doing, the money will come and, and the foundation will be built around it and the community will come. And, and I love the fact that you all are getting into all of that and being completely honest. And I think it's extremely valuable to the people listening because, you know, chances are you can't just open up your door and, and be an overnight success. Everybody thinks that there's all these people that are overnight successes or then there's all these people that are just failures, but really an overnight success takes 10 years to make. Yeah. Right. Uh, You just don't see that, you know, behind the scenes path to try to get there. But if you keep moving forward and you keep spreading and just being good to people and, and you all are obviously heads and shoulders above, you know, the basics here uh, with your mission and what you're trying to do. And so I think that there's probably not going to be any doubt that the success will come. Yeah, it takes it takes sometimes setting aside your ego, though. You know, other people from the outside that don't really get it, they ask, you know, like, oh, so when are you going to get a real job? Oh, and so <laughs> it takes a lot of, like, <laughs> strength and patience to say, well, you know, maybe this, never <laughs> in your but, standards. But in my standards, uh, this is my real job, and mm-hmm. I plan on doing my real job yeah. theater forever. <laughs> and I, I just yeah. uh, there was a um, I cannot remember the quote, but somebody had said that when your job becomes becomes what you do for pleasure, when those lines kind of blur, then that's where you you, you know you're doing something right. When when we can work on something for hours and hours and hours, forget to eat, forget to. <laughs> do anything else and and be having a blast doing it you I just wish that for everybody you know and i I don't want to be that person that's looking at the clock waiting for you know to punch my card and go home uh, I just no I agree with you I'm the same <laughs> boat I don't really think anybody really looks forward to doing that right no but ninety nine percent of people don't realize that if you really follow your passion or you you just take baby steps and baby steps and baby steps, you know, eventually you're going to, you know, you're going to get to that next big step and things are going to start changing and you can change your life. Uh, That's all a, it takes is convincing yeah. yourself mentally. Yeah. And, and it's scary and people have to be, you know, be courageous enough and, and believe in themselves. Oh, that sounds so cliche, <laughs> 
but but be willing to try something that is scary and say, you know, even if this fails, I'll be glad I at least tried. Yeah, you have to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. If, if you're scared of something or uncomfortable about something, then do it immediately. Absolutely. It's the only way to move forward. So, yeah. yeah, back to the get a job thing. I have a funny story. I was at a <laughs> uh, music festival a couple weekends ago up somewhere in Ohio, and <laughs> there was this Grateful Dead cover band playing, and so the natural <laughs> de- Grateful Dead crowd, you know, was there. <laughs> and I was standing in line, you know, waiting to have the pleasure of using one of the dirtiest porta potties in the world. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yes. And this guy opens the door and comes out. I mean, he looks straight like Chewbacca. He was just, just <laughs> a wook, like dreads down to his his hips, just nasty. You know? <laughs> and I'm standing there, you know, I think I look pretty normal. And he just looks at me and he says, get a job, man. <gasps> and he shakes his head and just walks off. No way. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Is that, where did he even come up with that? Yeah, it was just like, kind really of... from you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm sure that somebody has said that to him so many times that he yeah. just thinks it's hilarious to say it back to people that don't look like him. <laughs> I don't know. That's I, Oh, man, that's, that's funny. Great. <laughs> but yeah, you, you know, you all talk about, you know, moving in the right direction and, and uh, how much fun it can be when you get to that point where you're working so many hours that... It doesn't even feel like you're working. You know, a whole day can go by and you've forgotten to eat. And <laughs> you get to meet all these amazing people as you do this and you build these connections and you network. And it, and it just becomes such a, a fun thing to do, uh, just like we're doing right now. But how important do you think this network that you guys are slowly building is and, and how important it's going to be for your future? Oh, my God. I think it's, it's everything. everything. I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about – I mean, I think in every field you, you do, unless you do – some sort of work where you're able to work entirely by yourself. <laughs> um, you're going to deal with people that are frustrating and, um, you know, push your patience. Um, and that's, that's one thing that we keep telling each other is let's not, let's never burn any bridges. Let's make sure that we go into it with the attitude of I'll have to work with this person again, however pleasant or unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, treat them with the respect and courtesy and, you know, if something didn't go well, you email them and set up a meeting to get that common ground back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been something that we've been really working on this year, um, <laughs> <laughs> these last few months. <laughs> a few stressful experiences with people. Yeah, but then just having that. And it's been really tempting to just kind of throw up our hands and be like, you know what? Let's just not work mm-hmm. with these people again. It's okay. We're going to be done. Yeah. But then we say, Wanted to know, unleash some New York on them. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, especially, uh, but in terms of networking in general, everyone that we meet, every new acquaintance, everyone knows someone else. <laughs> I mean, and everyone has their and own value and right. has something that they can, yeah. Exactly. That's so true. You never know. So you, you really never know. We just, there was one, I mean, just a really quick thing is we, we saw somebody taking pictures. We went to an opening for a, a music um show and we saw somebody taking pictures and we just tapped him on the shoulder asked what he was taking pictures for because he had a really nice fancy camera and it turns out he was a local blogger who covered all the downtown new art venue you know anything that was new and artsy going on and we set up a meeting with him and he was really interesting interested in what we were doing and we 
have this relationship now with this this guy who um, we just happened to meet. Yeah, just by has, tapping him on the shoulder. Yeah, and that's a network plug-in right there, and he's going to yeah. be a huge help to you. Yeah, it's fantastic, and it's the same. I mean, I would never be where I am if I hadn't started asking questions that I was not comfortable asking. Exactly. Right. <laughs> talking to people about things that you know, they probably weren't comfortable answering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with those conversations comes amazing, amazing things, and it's the only way to build that network. Um, and so now I just do it constantly and it's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, And, and honestly, I think that that comes out honestly when you do love what you do. It's, I mean, both of us did sales for, um, years before and, and there's, there's a difference between when you're selling something, you know, you always feel like, okay, I should be telling someone about this. I should be trying to sell them. Um, and that, and that's so that works really well for that field. But then when you really transition into work that you believe in a hundred percent, not that we didn't believe in our sales, we did believe in our, what we were selling, but, um, but it just becomes like effortless and you're not, you know, yeah, it's, it's, you don't even think about it. You yeah. just do it naturally. You're just excited to talk about it and then you do. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Cause when your heart is in the right place, everything falls into place. It's yeah. Just, it really does. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Our, you know, with, with your, your network that you do have, mm-hmm. when you first decide to do this, you know, you probably didn't have a huge network in place. Maybe some people from your past, uh, that had been kind of, you know, you both went to college for uh, theater, right? Yes. Production. Yeah. So you probably met some people there. Um, but how did you, you know, what kind of habits did you put in place or how did you manage to kickstart you know, your network? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously building the network is a, is a big part of that. And so, um, yeah, well, I was going to say, um, the, the sales job that Danielle and I both shared, it was with Southwestern advantage and, uh, we, we both sold books and educational products door to door, believe it or not, (laughs) a very unconventional job. And it's a great summer internship, entrepreneurial um, deal. So from that, we both knew that we wanted to work for ourselves and not have that typical nine-to-five job. And through Southwestern, we developed habits and started thinking the way Mm -hmm. that people without – you know, we didn't want to limit ourselves. Yeah, like one of the big South, I guess you could say Southwestern slogans is uh, do things you don't feel like doing. Um, and that, so that became something initially starting out is, you know, it's not mm-hmm. fun to, it doesn't, it's a little scary to email people. And, you know, like with Princess Cut, we emailed so different organizations things. and churches and, you know, went and hung up posters and, you know, all that footwork that isn't, typically just like fun and easy yeah. sitting on the couch knocked on doors <laughs> yeah so it does take a lot of like the getting out there mm-hmm. getting out of your shell like we were talking about right. earlier and we do have that network of um booksellers that have that same kind of mentality that we've we've used as a jumping off point i mean i never would have met danielle if it wasn't for southwestern and and both of our passion and our friend henry our that's friend, been right huge in helping us and um, and just so, believe yeah. in ourselves. And even though we don't, we didn't have a scent to start off with, he just was very encouraging and, and he's where he is now from the same things he's teaching us, you know, just to believe in yourself and to keep pressing on no matter what. 
So, mm-hmm. and we and we talked to, just for a second earlier about how powerful words are, but that was something that Carrie and I have actually were just talking about the other day. Is you know we went into this knowing that our hearts were in the right place and assuming that it was going to work out. And so <laughs> I think some people don't when they when they start a new venture, they assume that they're going to fail, and so they're almost preparing the whole time for like, okay, well when I fail. Mm-hmm. What do I do? What do I do What's then? plan B? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we went into it with saying like, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do. There is no plan B. <laughs> so if we, when we, since we know we're going to be successful, what do we need to do to get there? And um, who do we need to talk to? And who do we need to be contacting? You know, assuming that our show will sell out, who do we need to make sure is for sure there? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really, just that kind of a mental, um, a mental point um, and so when we have now, you know, when our show did sell out, it was exciting, but at the same time, not shocking. Yeah. We're like, okay, we, we knew that would happen. We, we did the work that, but we did the work that it took to get there. It right. wasn't like it just people showed up. We, we yeah. put in a lot of work. Right. So, but that difference in mentality, I think really did have an impact. And that's yeah. a lot of the stuff that we did learn at Southwestern and also have just made it something that we've made a point of doing. Yeah, just think. Staying positive is everything. Yes. And uh, so all you heady little listeners out there, (laughs) you need to take a note from these two because if you honestly say you will and you can, I know it sounds stupid, but if you believe it in your head truly, you will get to where you need to be. And it's it's actually a big roller coaster of fun, isn't it? Yeah. Party, party. Yeah. And you bring your best game when you assume that you're going to be successful at it. You you put out the best thing. Like we actually, this is funny. We booked our, we booked the square room as our venue before we'd even started writing the script. (laughs) And we were starting to market our show before we had anything on paper. All we had was a a date. So we were just like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Perfect. (laughs) We have to do something. So you get your skin in the game and there's no turning back. I do the exact same kind of things. We're like, people are going to be there. People are going to be there. So we better get our act together and and make it a good, good show. It, it gives it gives you a landmark, and you know you you're you're all in once you do something like that, and it just gives you the motivation, a little bit of extra kick in the ass to get out there and do those things that you need to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm glad that you said that. Do you do you think it's harder to get started or to keep going? Oh, we were. It's question. funny. We were actually looking the other day. Um, we haven't officially declared like nonprofit or for profit um, yet for our company. Um, but we were looking the other day about like, okay, if you're going down this road, here are the different milestones you'll have to look into. And we realized that we've already passed a lot of those without <laughs> like well, even check that off. We yeah, it's a good it. feeling, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, without even realizing, we just we just did it and. Mm. Um, so I think, I don't know, I, I think for some people it might be the hardest thing to just kind of get, get out of their shell, but we have not really yeah. been in a shell for a while, so that was... Yeah. I think their, their mentality is everything. If you if you go in thinking, well, I need, I need to support myself, so I need to have this 9 to 5 job, and then that means I can't do this, this, and this, and, and then they're afraid of just quitting their job and just jumping into it and not worrying about what's going to happen, and... Because honestly, if you if you dedicate yourself to something and you make a commitment that it's going to happen, there's really nothing that can and should hold you back from doing it. So, and then what we found is that you know if you do one thing and it and it works, 
there's almost always a door that opens. Like for in my in the last three years that I've been in Knoxville, I you know I moved to Knoxville just on a whim, <laughs> and uh, had this little stage management job with a local theater group here. And that led to another stage management job and that led to directing and that led to contact. So it's just knowing that as long as you're like, we were talking about taking the steps, it's going to open the right doors. Um, And so then I guess it really hasn't been hard for us to keep on going. Just riding this wave. Aside from just making, making time to make money on the side. That's the little, little bit of it, but. Yeah, I mean, we we all fail, and we fail again, and we fail harder, but every single one of those failures is just a building block to the next success. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So if you just embrace them, I mean, nothing bad can happen. Yeah, and realizing it's not going to all come at once, but as long as you have this end goal and you're moving closer to it, and each month or six months, if you're farther along toward that goal than you were before, you're doing something right. Right. Reaching and failing and in, in moving forward from learning from your failures is always going to be better than never trying or never making a change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, you, know, you don't want to look back when you're you know, 85, gonna... 90 years old and say, what? wow, I did nothing with yeah. my life, but conform to the man yeah. and work nine to five. You know, I never did anything I love. Uh, so right. yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. Right. The what ifs, you don't want to have to live through the what ifs. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So if, if you guys could go back, um, is there anything you would do differently from the beginning? I, I mean, for me, no. I, I've always been a big believer of not, I don't have any regrets. I know that might mm-hmm. sound cliche as well, but I think that every, just like you were saying, every failure, every mistake, you learn from it and move forward. And if you don't have those mistakes, you know, you, you can't learn from them. So I just believe that there is nothing I would do over because it's taken me to this point. And it's a, it's a rather unconventional way that I've gotten here. And when people ask me how I ended up in Knoxville or not ended up, but how I'm in Knoxville right now, it's, it's always a long story because of all the twists and turns that I took to get here. But, um, I wouldn't do anything over because who knows where it would bring me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'd agree with that. <laughs> yeah. So and obviously there's always going to be things like you get smarter as you keep going. Right. So you'll be like, wow, if I'd only known that earlier on. But I know that now. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's not a regret. It's just a, you're broadening your knowledge. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Beautiful. And, you know, Knoxville's a party town down there, too. So you have <laughs> lots of distractions. Yeah. We haven't really had time to. Yeah. When you're so busy, you you find those things to go do just for, to get a break for a second. But yeah. And I would, I mean, I think it's also so important that you surround yourself with people that are very like-minded and we definitely have an awesome group of, of friends that are very driven. Also entrepreneurs that want to work for themselves, that want to invent and create. And, and I wouldn't want to be surrounded by anyone else. I just, I love the people that I hang out with and, and, um, yeah. you are this, practice. you are the sum of the five people you surround yourself with the most. <laughs> yeah. Jim we, Rohn quote. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. we have a good art friends. So that helps a lot too. We get a lot of good ideas and musicians and, and very talented. Yeah. People. And it's okay to, you know, accept the fact that you do have some of those friends that are toxic and, and to try to take those steps to try to eliminate them because, you know, once you do, You'd be surprised 
how it can change your life. And I've had to do it. And, you know, when you really start surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded and motivated, uh, like you all are doing, it, it can just, you know, light that fire immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, it really makes you see things from a different angle when you look back on the things you used to do every day. And now you're like, wow, <laughs> I mean, look at all this we're getting done. You know? Yeah, exactly. So let, let's say there is a uh, little Carrie and a little Danielle <laughs> listening out there right now. You know, they might be best friends. Who knows? Uh, you know, and they're willing to put in the effort and time to establish, you know, a new theater or production company to share these real world issues through art forms in hopes to change the world. What is, what is one thing that you would tell them that they can do to get started right now? Hmm. Um, I would, for me, I guess it was just start doing it. Just go and direct something or act in something, write something and just get it out there. Um, and then the more you get feedback, the more you're going to grow from that. And so ask people then to come and give you honest feedback, tell you what was bad and what was good, um, and just start doing it. Um, get off the couch. <laughs> yeah, definitely get off the couch. Um, well, first, little Carrie would never be friends with little Danielle. <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, I I would say that you got to read. I know that's, that sounds really weird, but I think that, um, reading and, and just like what Danielle was saying, go do something, broadening your mind, going to concerts or art shows or whatever you can get your hands on. Place. Place, yes. of course. <laughs> um, just engrossing yourself in as much as possible and having experiences because I know for me, for taking on a role, being a part of, um, a production, the more experiences you have under your belt, the more you can relate to. And uh, that goes with people as well. The more, the, the more countries you've traveled to, the more customs you've, you've been exposed to, you know, the, your mind just becomes more open and able to relate to more and more people. And I think that's just so important. And also just listen to people around you. Um, yeah. Don't necessarily take everything they say to heart. Um, like the get a real job kind of thing, (laughs) (laughs) but like listening to, okay, what makes them say that? Is that coming from fear? Is that coming from, you know, them wanting everyone else to kind of conform to the nine to five world so they don't feel bad that they've been doing that? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like listening to the stories that you hear around you and then the things that upset you or you want to see changed, what can you do to make those changes happen? How can you get people's attention to bring awareness to those situations. Oh, exactly. That's the stem of how every successful or, you know, life-changing movement starts is somebody identifies a problem and then they find a way to solve that problem, whether it be for you or for somebody else, or like you all are doing a much bigger problem that is just going completely, you know, people are unaware of it really. And it's, it's a very sad thing. And, and, um, starts with awareness. And, it's amazing if you yeah. think about that one problem there and then you all took your talents and your creativity and you combine those two things and now it's just you know, it's phenomenal. You got this whole thing going which is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. That's so good. yeah, I guess we just say like open your mind, you know, listen to people around you and yeah. then and everyone don't has be a story. afraid to jump. Uh, yeah. yeah, everyone has their own story. You never ever know what somebody has gone through and what has shaped them into the person that they are today. And um, I always think about that. If somebody treats you really poorly or snaps at you or says something bad about you or whatever, 
you never know what they've been through. Not it's, that that's yeah, like exactly. excuse, but I mean, it's usually not about you. It's, it's about, about them. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, we are running well. pretty long on the time. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to move into the closing questions here. Sure. And you know, I could obviously talk to you all forever and we could totally have you on a future episode and that would be you know, later down the road when you all <laughs> are performing the Tennessee theater, you can tell me how it was. Yeah, definitely. You know, Cause you will perform at the Tennessee. We'll get, theater. Right. We'll get there. Yeah. So this next question, uh, I, I guess I'll let you you know team up on this one. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks. If you have two unique answers, that'd be awesome too. But you know, it's whatever. Phone so, a friend. Yeah. <laughs> if you had to battle Godzilla, how would you use your creativity and talents to defeat that big bastard? <laughs> oh gosh! What would you, Danielle's looking at me? Okay, well, my random mind is just, we were talking about Julie Taymor earlier, uh, <laughs> yesterday, who, she, if you don't know who she is, she's, um, she's a designer, she's director. a director, um, she's the one that created the puppets for Lion King on Broadway. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so she's like the... And then Spider-Man into the And Spider-Man, yeah, the burn. puppetry, the big, you know... Bread and puppet theater, so passion, passion of hers, yeah, anyway. I just, I don't know why that that thought just popped into my head, just creating a, a giant puppet, or using our, <laughs> our network, to, <laughs> to our powerful network of friends and people to to um, bring Julie Taymor on board to create a giant puppet and defeat monster. <laughs> see, see, everybody, networking is everything. It yes, is. Exactly. Uh, so, I don't know if that's... <laughs> do you all have any uh, favorite advice, resources, or tools that you would like to share with our listeners that you think they could find value in? Um, what was the... Tools? Um, yeah, I mean, tools, apps, anything, really. Well, um, you never know when a pocket um, tool will, you know, when Swiss Army knives will come what? in. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> never mind. Um, scary says Swiss Army Swiss knives. Army. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I think what we were talking about, about failing and just being okay to fail uh, is, um, I read a really powerful article by Louis C.K., the comedian. Yeah. And, I mean, he exploded onto the scene just within the last few years really and and he in this article by the rolling stones was talking about failing and how he failed so many times and spent years just hearing negative comments and people pushing him down metaphorically um but he failed and failed and failed and failed and and he says that the only way to learn stuff is by failing so yeah I, I think that's really valuable, and I would. Do you have that article link that you could send to me, and we'll put it in the show notes right next to the Swiss Army knife? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, oh. <laughs> I a picture of a Swiss Army knife, but yeah, no, I we we definitely could send that too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, all this information will be on the website at artsynow.com, and um, you'll be able to click that link and read that article because I think it could be of value to you. And then maybe a, you know we'll put a link on there to purchase some knives on Amazon too. Definitely. <laughs> you never know when that'll come in handy. Yeah. Uh, how can our listeners find you or get in contact with you? If they want to know more about your production or just to uh, network. Yeah, we have uh, a Facebook page, and it's facebook.com/slash 
Yellow Rose Productions, and that's it. Um, <laughs> so they can look that up. Um, we're, you got a website in the works. Yeah, got a website. website. And that, it's actually going to be, um, when it's done, yellowroseproductions.org. Yeah, so we already have the domain. And then um, we have our Twitter account, which is Yellow Rose Pro. Yep, Yellow Rose Pro. And then our email is yellowroseproductions at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. So very cool. Yeah, and feel free to email us for our, our personal phone numbers and emailing <laughs> That was Carrie volunteering her personal phone number. Always confused, <laughs> depending on who you are. So Carrie will take your personal. Well, that could be, you know, that that could be fun. You never know. Yeah, exactly. Hey, networking. You know, what I think it's funny. I read a, you know, I don't know if you've ever read the Four Hour Work Week by Timothy. Yeah. Peter. Oh my gosh, you that's just, like you have to start another po- podcast for Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yes. Anyway, keep on. Going. Uh, you know how he talks about just sending a random email from like six years ago uh, just <laughs> yeah. to return it for no reason. And that, I do that kind of stuff just because it's funny. And uh, Yeah, Tim Ferriss is brilliant. He's, a, he's another one of my role models. That's oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, he, he is... All of uh, our I, I can't even put into words yeah. Tim Ferriss. Yeah, great. Well, Amazing. we can... Yeah, next time you're on, we can... <laughs> that. We can just talk about Tim Ferriss. <laughs> <laughs> in, uh, in closing, you know, I want to make a point to challenge any listeners... You know that are out there near Knoxville or Nashville or surrounding areas, or really, you know, across the world, uh, to reach out and you know, check out this production and this cause that they are putting out there and spread the word about it. Uh, Carrie and Danielle are pioneering something very special here, and they deserve all the support in the world. Um, so let's do everything we can to push this forward. And you have anything else you want to say before this interview closes? Just thank you so much, Heath. We are flattered by um, your interest and um, the work that you've been doing and your passion for, you know, kids and getting them um, help and into the arts is amazing. So I think what you're doing is incredible, too. And we're just honored to be on the show. talking to you, yeah. And art can achieve so much. And we really are so convinced that through theater, through music, through any kind of art form, there, we can see a change in, in the world and yeah, issues arts, that are happening. Right art now. is what people allows people to feel something differently. So, and I think yeah. that's what causes them to stand up and, and actually take action to do something and make changes. So, yeah, creativity is, is the greatest thing in the world. And I completely agree, but all right, well, Carrie and Danielle, thank you so much for being <laughs> the very first double Entrepreneur now! And always remember to keep it heady. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur Now podcast. For all the show notes and more information, please visit artsynow.com. That's A R T S Y now.com. Thank you. The music for this podcast was provided by Shaky Feeling out of Ventura, California. For more information, please visit shakyfeeling.com. Keep it funky.